0: Love Talk Radio. Alright, everyone, welcome to Talk Nerdy to Me Radio. It is Monday, December 16th, 2019. It is 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. My name is Megan, and I'm here with the ever lovely Kristen. What's up, Kristen?
1: Nothing. I had to pause my Harry Potter movie so I could be here right now. (laughs) So, talk about Harry Potter. And then when we're
0: done, she'll go yeah. back to it. It's a Harry Potter night. I will. I do have to. Say, yeah. I do have to say, ninety percent of my gri- my day, I've just been a grumpy, resentful person. Like I threw like a fit <laughs> at work, like a full-on bratty fit. And then I remembered <laughs> that I was going to talk about Harry Potter for close to ninety minutes, and then it saved my day. So I'm super excited to be here. We're gonna do some updates on the music front, the movie front, and then we're going to spend the majority of the podcast, finishing up our book discussion, because we just did not have time. There were just too many great questions. Um, And then focusing on the Harry Potter movies uh, with with another guest uh, personality, Gabby, who's come in every once in a while to talk about movies. So are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. The, The magical ride that is the show. All right. So. Uh, a few updates in the music world, although not a lot of movement. Uh, so to be truly honest, the top five songs on the Billboard chart charts in the top 100: number five, Maroon 5, Memories; number four, Lewis Capaldi, Someone You Love; number three, Because It's the Holidays, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas Is You.
1: Shut up.
0: Number. <laughs> yes. Awesome. I am
1: not joking. Sorry. It is
0: number three now. <laughs> wow. That's what, that, that's what I thought when I looked up. I was like, really? I thought everyone already had the song. But apparently, a wow. new generation of people have discovered Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You." Number two, Post Malone circles, um, and number one is the weekend with Heartless, which is a good song. For the top five albums, the Billboard Top 200. Number five, Billie Eilish, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? Number four, Taylor Swift, Lover. Number three, Triple Red, A Love Letter to You Four. Number two, Post Malone, Hollywood's Bleeding. And number one is Frozen 2 soundtrack. As for new wow. music, um, <laughs> um for new music, only a few things are really caught my my attention. Um, Harry Styles from One Direction, of course, um, has another solo album called Fine Line that just got released. Um, Stormzy, who is my favorite rapper of right now, um, he just dropped an album, Heavy is the Head. It's a really, really good album. I'm going to do a full-on album review of that um, in a couple of days uh, to put on nerdprobs.com So make sure that you follow that for it. Um and Camilla Cabillo with her album Romance. Other than that, not too many things are going on in the music world. It's pretty pretty quiet cricket at this point right now. Cricket.
1: I'm still stuck on Mariah Carey. <laughs> As you should be. Because why? I mean You know, I saw a video the other you, day of her with her kids and they uh-huh. were like they asked Alexa something like, Hey Alexa, what's who's the Queen of Christmas, or play the Queen of Christmas? And it plays Mariah Carey's song. And they did that to her. Like, her kids did it. It is
0: probably... It probably is the best Christmas song. Do you think any it Christmas song beats that? Maybe no. Jackson 5? Their Christmas Who? Song. Jackson 5?
1: Oh, Jackson 5. I didn't hear you. All I heard was 5. <laughs> uh, no, not the boy no. band 5. That's
0: a very different band. <laughs> No, um. <laughs> now I'm thinking back about five. No, is it in the I Dark? Is that the name of other... that song? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I, no idea, but
1: girl, I don't does... think anyone does beat her. She wins. Is
0: she... That is a legit Christmas song. If I had to pick a Christmas song, I personally think all Christmas songs are disturbing.
1: Bah humbug to you. Did I tell you I was not resentful
0: for the majority of the day? <laughs> what's going on what's going on in the movie world?
1: Okay, movies. Um a little bit of new stuff. So movies. Do you wanna do box office or reviews first? Which one? Throw it up. Box office. Okay, box office. Let's do top five right now. Um, From this weekend, Black Christmas just dropped from Universal Pictures. Uh, Not too good of an opening, 4.2 million. It had some stiff competition, though. So um, my daughter really wants to see it. And it's a remake from like a 70s movie. Um, In the fourth place position is Richard Jewell from Warner Brothers. I have no idea what this movie is, it made 4.7 million in opening weekend. It's also new. And then we have Knives Out by uh, Lionsgate. It's up another 9.1 million. Currently at 78 mil opening weekend. Uh, We have Frozen 2 is bumped out of first place um, by Disney, of course. It's up another 19 million this weekend. 366 million domestic growth, and it officially passed the 1 billion mark worldwide, which is insane. That's a lot. It is, but also, Um, and then. Not surprising at all. Um, and it was bumped out of first place this weekend when Jumanji The Next Level came out. Made $59.2 million opening weekend. So quite a few new ones actually on that list. There's three new out of the five. So um, lots to see. Um, and then upcoming movies real quick um, while we're talking about movies in theater. Cats comes out this coming weekend. Um, it's got like Taylor Swift and like half of Hollywood in it, so you should probably see it. Kind of creeps me out a little bit, but my kid really wants to see it. Um, little Women comes out on Christmas. Um, I'm very stoked about that. Me um, too. I'm very. It's gonna be about that. so good. I'm currently rereading the book so I can compare notes. Um, and then 1917 comes out also on Christmas. And then yeah, and I've
0: heard really good things coming, about that one the World War 1 story I, historical fiction yeah, I, it, it
1: sounds good I really like war movies I don't know why especially ones that are like based on based on true stories or like a general idea of what it should what would have happened I find that fascinating um and then of course this coming weekend Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker which we were just talking about before the show um together about all the movies the is this the final movie or are we just going to keep going? It's the final one
0: of this particular trilogy and this particular story of the overarching story, but it is definitely not the last Star Wars film. I think there's okay, going to be too. three yeah. more and there's going to be a lot of spinoffs and things like that.
1: Nice. Star um, Wars and then is done. Star Wars never done. I feel like we're going to die with new Star Wars movies. It's going to be a good times. I think. I think uh, the
0: Skywalker storyline is done,
1: but I think the other plenty parts of other are not. I yeah, want to see sure. like a Chewbacca, a baby Chewbacca story.
0: Man, that would be the most annoying movie. <laughs> I
1: ever. Mean, I love like, Chewbacca, oh!
0: but can you picture like all, like two hours of that noise? With like, <laughs> but it's not just Chewie. It's like everyone. Like that would be. You just gave me something to think about. <laughs>
1: Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Enjoy that tonight when you're sleeping. Uh, you're welcome. Oh. <laughs> uh, so, and last, um, this, I've, I've been trying really hard to watch more movies. Um, so this past week, I rented a couple from Redbox. Um, I saw Angel Has Fallen, which I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that set of movies. Um, and Angel Has Fallen was pretty good. Not the best out of the group i'd say the original was the best but mm-hmm. angel of fallen was pretty good um i also got 47 meters down on cage i am a shark okay, freak, so and i also like movies where people get eaten That <laughs> tells a lot
0: about you Kristen. <laughs>
1: let's examine <laughs> i know um, let's examine.
0: so what is so
1: there's uh,
0: this is not the the first one right there was two stories
1: Right. 47 the Forty seven meters that was meter the first on. one. Okay. And that was um that was uh Mandy Moore and oh god, what is her name? The chick from Vampire Diaries and Originals, Rebecca. I forget who who what her the real chick's name is, but her name is Rebecca on the show. Um so okay. they're in this in the first one and they go they're on a trip and they go Claire Holt. Shark yeah, Claire Holt, thank you. They get in a cage on a shoddy boat with these people they just met, which is, I mean, literally the whole movie, I'm like, this cannot, there's no way this is going to go well. Because, (laughs) of course, they just met these people. They're in a rusted out cage. So, the cage breaks off the the lift thing and they go plummeting 47 meters down. And they've been throwing chum in the water, which is apparently against the law now, because they mentioned that in the movie. And sharks come and they're stuck and it's about them trying not to either run out of oxygen or get eaten as they get out of the cage to do different things like go up high enough where they can be heard on the walkies or etc. Do random other things they probably shouldn't be doing. The second one is different characters, different setting, also in Mexico though and it's um, they go into this cave that's like a Mayan ruin or something like that that one of the girls' uh-huh. dads works in so they, they know the general idea of where they're going and they go in and then they get trapped and there's blind sharks I'm just throwing that out there they're blind so they're like dinosaurs and if you make noise they find you and they're very gruesome <laughs> and everyone gets eaten <laughs> moral of the story <laughs>
0: I guess that is the only way they can make a two-hour movie with human beings that are uncaged with sharks.
1: I mean, it was pretty good. Like, I've seen cheesier movies. The, it was pretty well done. I, I still think they're all stupid. Like, who swims? I think that's a into a, I'm a, sure. an underwater city. Yeah.
0: But it just, it, some it's just movies, I mean, sometimes those those ideas work, but some movie ideas just sound like a bunch of people who are stoned came up with an idea, and then they got money. Like, I would have came up with that when I was in high school.
1: Yeah, you know I feel like a do? bunch of divers got together and, like, <laughs> got stoned and was like, dude, what if we were in one of our diving expeditions, and these crazy blood sharks started eating us all. I feel like that's how this movie started. Probably true. But it was really good. It was good. I enjoyed it. Not my favorite shark movie, but it's definitely, I'll probably rewatch it at some point in my life. And then um, I watched The Flood on Disney Plus about, I don't know, it was like a documentary about animals. And it was great. I watched an alligator try to eat a lion. It was fantastic. So you should watch it. I really do like it's about probably. animals. I love watching nature take a natural theme. course. Listen, if you're gonna jump <laughs> in a, in the ocean and the shark wants to bite you, guess what? You're in their living room, it's your own fault. You walk in my living room this and I true. feel like shooting you, guess what? My my prerogative, you're in my living room. Don't swim in their living room. Um, uh this so, is I didn't the lion is, was you came into my territory, so I can kill you. The lion was crossing the river, not your territory, bro. <laughs> out of the the crocodile living room so it was good though so those were my movies this week
0: very cool um so i did not
1: do a music spotlight this
0: week and the reason why is because i really wanted to make sure that we have enough room to get to all the listener questions because they were all really good um for our main discussion another thing that i want to point out before we shift gears and start talking about harry potter is that we are going to be taking a bit of a hiatus over the winter holidays, and we will be coming back January 6th, uh, which is a Monday. Um, That's going to be our decade show, and I'm going to be posting lots of things on our Twitter feed um, about polls because I want to get the overall um, pulse of what people think about this decade in general when it comes to music, movies, books, and television as well. So um, just... Keep an eye out for that when we return, so we can take a look at life from 2011 to 2020. My lord, I'm already annoying myself in 2020. (laughs) 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 Whenever year changes,
1: I always start writing the previous year. So it like when it turns 2020, I'll start writing 2018. For some reason, like my mind goes backwards. (laughs) It happens every year.
0: So just keep an eye on for that so that you can uh, participate and help build that show um, also at the end of the show yeah. we are going to tease a new thing that we're going to be doing um, on talk nerdy to me radio um, so stay tuned for that as well towards the end of the episode but now it is time to talk about Harry Potter, Harry Potter. we had yes, some
1: really good discussions last episode Oh, because and Megan has no bad-tasting characters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, just,
1: She's not she here to defend herself. About it. It's
0: <laughs> also just disagreeing, just disagreeing in general, which is fun because the whole point is
1: preferences,
0: and we see it things a lot differently. Fun. I'm just
1: picking on her, totally.
0: Um, so we are uh, going to finish up that discussion, um, because I didn't want to interrupt some of the discussions, and I mean, like the discussions that we had in last episode. I've been discussions that have been happening in the fandom since I was in high school. Um, So there's always a camp. There's always different ways of looking at things and people bring their worldview, which is why it's so fascinating to talk about. So we're going to finish up a little bit of the book discussion um, because we did not get to everything. And then we'll start focusing on the movies. Um, And I'm going to bring in um, one of our favorite uh, people who kind of help up every once in a while, and that is Gabby.
2: Hello. What's up, Gabby? Yo, what's
0: up? Nothing Yay, much. She's We're back. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. All right. I'm so so, <laughs> we've been looking forward to this all day. Um, so the first question okay. that I want to start off with, so at the last episode, we talked about houses. Um, and Gabby, you weren't here, so you weren't able to share your house. Uh, what, what house do you belong to?
2: I'm a Ravenclaw.
0: So you got two Ravenclaws. Can you handle this, Kristen? <sighs>
1: <laughs> yes, I suppose. Me and the other Ravenclaw <laughs> did not see eye to eye on basically everything, so. No, she was a Slytherin. <laughs> Okay, oh, you're, <laughs> right. you're right. You're a Ravenclaw. So you guys are like the nice ones. She was the terrible one. She wasn't terrible. She we'll disagreed on all of, of my episode. favorite people and things. All right. So, we'll um,
0: and then I, this is a new question that we have not answered, um, which is, what is your Patronus? So, Gabby, what was your Patronus? You could do Pottermore or just owl the one that you think the now the or, owl
2: something. Owl or something.
0: What do you think, Kristen?
1: My Patronus. um, Oh, God, it's so hard. Uh, Maybe a shark. (laughs) I like that they eat people. (laughs) That does
0: seem like the theme. Yes. To continue the theme (laughs) of Kristen, liking people eating, you are definitely a shark. Um, On Pottermore, I got a hedgehog. And I don't know about that, <laughs> but um, the one that I've always said it was, was a wolf. So, like, that, that was my instinct, but then Pottermore said it was a hedgehog, and so I've been coming to terms with that. All right, so, um, where I want to begin is kind of a where hedgehog. I was going to head, because yes. I'm cute and prickly. Um, so, where I want to start is kind of where I wanted to go last episode, but we ran out of time, because it's a natural... I think, next step. So the last episode, um, we were talking about Severus Snape, um, and whether or not he thought we thought that he was more good or more bad, or if we thought he was imperfect. Um, and, of course, Kristen is a huge Snape supporter. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not a Snape hater or like a Snape supporter. I think he's a really interesting character. And he has a really interesting backstory, and he made a lot of interesting choices. And But I think if you talk about Snape, you also have to talk about the other guy, which is Albus Dumbledore. And whether or not you think he is good, or whether you not think he's bad, or, again, if he's just another incredibly complicated and interesting character. So, Kristen, what do you think? What is your take on Albus Dumbledore and everything that he did over the series, and also what we're learning about in um, Newt Scamander's story as well?
1: I think... I think Dumbledore obviously is a good person. I do feel like, maybe this is an unpopular opinion, but I do think Dumbledore is, I don't want to say, it's hard to say selfish, but, like, from the get-go, he was perfectly fine sacrificing Harry for everyone else. And it wasn't like, oh, I'd be willing to sacrifice myself for the good of the world. He's like, Mm -hmm. hey, there's this kid, and I'm pretty sure he's the one that's going to save us all. So I'm going to kind of trick him into doing all of this until he figures it out that I would sacrifice him for the good of everyone else. So in a way, it's like he's got this, I I don't even know what the word would be. It's not selfish because he's not doing it for himself. But I kind of, I think it's a little screwed up way that he went about it at times. But I do like Dumbledore, and I was very sad when he died, so spoiler. <laughs> but uh, At this point, if you
0: didn't know that, you're listening yeah. to the wrong podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Gabby, Gabby, what are your thoughts?
2: Um, I think I, I have a real problem with Dumbledore. I think he's super manipulative. The thing that I have a problem with him the most yeah. is the fact that he sends Harry back to – um, the, to the jerseys every single summer, and I totally recall why he has to. I know the mm-hmm. rationale behind it. Uh, I just thought mm-hmm. that, you know, he it, there's even a moment, I forget which book it is, where um, he recalls or somebody recalls that he should have been checking in more on Harry during the summer. Yeah, And that's the problem that I have is that he, he, he I get that he needs to manipulate and utilize Harry to win the war against uh, Voldemort, but I, I have a real problem with the fact that he lets Harry go through real hell in order to be able to get yeah. to that point. I don't know if Harry would have become uh, less selfish and, and more self-serving and, and a less mm-hmm. nice person if he had intervened with the jerseys, but I think that he needed to do something more than he did for, for Harry because he really didn't do much for him during those summers at all.
0: Yeah, for sure. And the reason why I, I, I said that Albus Dumbledore is the perfect segue from talking about Snape is because I've found over all of my Harry Potter podcasts and forums and everything that I've done since 2004 um, that if you are more forgiving or understanding of Snape, you tend to be madder at Dumbledore. Um, And people who are not as forgiving to Snape tend to be more forgiving of Dumbledore because I think that their stories are, are really linked and I think that Dumbledore is incredibly manipulative and he's very strategic and he's very intelligent and he keeps the big picture in mind he's also very utilitarian which is like he can be morally relative if he feels like the results in the end can justify the means and sometimes the means are not fair and can be completely like blackmail. I think, uh, I think it's Snape who has this wonderful quote that I also was thinking about when, when it came to Dumbledore, which is you ask for too much, you demand too much. And Dumbledore did demand a lot. He demanded a lot for Harry as a kid going up and, and being responsible for all these different things. Um, he definitely could have had more guidance. I think he, and I agree with you, Gabby, 100%. I think he could have done more in that in that respect. But I think Dumbledore, and has always put the goal ahead of everything, and it has lost them people like his sister, um, and lost himself at points. And I think he sometimes forgets that people do have limits. And I think that also applies to Snape, which is that Snape had a Love or a guilt or however you want to interpret SNApe's motivation um, and he was using it to ask Snape to do some real serious dangerous and also you know pushing him to the limits as well and I think Dumbledore will say well, this was all part of the plan, but also he sac- you know he asked SNApe to sacrifice so much and he also asked Harry to sacrifice so much too now there's that, that
2: famous scene in the book. That- and the movie where um, uh, right before uh, Snape reveals his Patronus, you know, where uh, he's commenting on that how, you know, you're, you've saved him for the end. You've done this. Mm-hmm. You've manipulated and you've saved Harry to go to the slaughter at the very end here, and that was always your intention. And, and that is, is Snape defending Harry at this moment, you know, which we don't give him much credit for um, out in the world. And, and When I think about the fact that Snape had to play the bad guy, I know he had to play the double agent, but he had to play the bad guy to the very end. He had to kill somebody who he respected. He had to kill Dumbledore and take the blame for it and not let anybody ever know. And Mm -hmm. the chance he got came post-mortem. It came after his own death where he finally got to explain his side of the story. And that's Mm -hmm. the injustice of that, to have Harry love Dumbledore the entire time when... Snape did sacrifice quite a bit. Um, he sacrificed his the affection of others throughout the entire story. So that way Dumbledore could mm-hmm. have his way, so that way Harry could overcome Voldemort. It seems kinda of messed up.
0: Yeah, definitely. It it, it definitely it it's definitely that utilitarian kind of moral grounding that Dumbledore has. And you even see that even in the new movies with Newt Scamander and how Dumbledore Reacts to things it's, it's, it's his thing time and time and again He just is The ends are More important than How it takes how it, What it takes to get there And what people might lose because of it Whether it's reputation like Snape Or, or his own life as well um, Or Harry not knowing What the heck is going on As he's uh, going to In the end ask Harry to to sacrifice for himself as well so Albus Dumbledore and Snape are I think two very interesting case studies about morality and and making decisions and how you look at it and that's why I wouldn't say that both of them are bad or good it's just they made choices and they both had to sacrifice things and I think they also both made mistakes Um, Kristen you have anything else to add?
1: I like Gabby. <laughs> She's okay. on my side. Yes. Let's,
0: <laughs> you also have to be accepting of diverse opinions.
1: Um, I'm accepting, so, but I don't agree with them. You're <laughs> totally fine, safe for life. you also have, safe for you life. have to be accepting. <laughs>
0: I wouldn't go that far All right. <clears throat> Draco Malfoy um, This is the one that Kristen wanted to talk about Draco Malfoy um, Good or bad or Somewhere in between uh, Kristen since you wanted to ask this one we'll Go with you first
1: Okay so You have to admit Draco's pretty Terrible like He does terrible things I don't think this Comes down to so much is he good or bad I think Draco is the perfect example of nurture versus nature. If you took Draco, same person, and from the get-go took him away from his parents, put him in a house like the Weasleys, would he be a different person? Probably. Because you see glimpses of him questioning those terrible things that he was doing a lot. But it's all he ever knew. His parents were always terrible. The people they surrounded him with were always terrible. So, can I mean, it's possible that somebody can be surrounded by all that negative energy and just negative behavior and become and still be good? Yeah, it's possible. But the likelihood is far, far less than you would like. I, I don't think it's possible for him to be considered a good guy with his upbringing. But I think it is safe to say you do see glimpses of that goodness that could have come out if he was put in a different situation growing up. Uh, Gabby, what do you think? I
2: definitely agree. Draco has an interesting kind of arc. Uh, he, he doesn't go through with the killing of Dumbledore. He couldn't. Uh, mm-hmm. He's just a kid. You know, he's no older than anybody else in that story. Um, yeah. And you know the choices that he makes too. I mean, you also have a foil for him with Goyle, and I'm forgetting his other friend right then and there. Um, Crab. But he's got foil, yes. So you've got foils there of, of to him that show his goodness mm-hmm. inside of him. Um, I, I don't think you could, like you just said, determine whether he's good or bad. I think it's much easier for the adults because they have more mm-hmm. life experience, and you can you can fault yeah. them more for more their, their choices. But mm-hmm. n- not him. He's just he's too young.
0: Yeah, I know with Draco, it's never. I've never been good or bad. Um, it's 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 more like I've I've felt sorry for him. I felt bad for him um, because of. His father, and I think how his father treated him and how he acts—it's very apparent that it wasn't great, and that he was used as, as a tool for his father's ambitions. He did get a bit from his mom. Narcissa is definitely not a bad person. She is fizzled, filled with love. It's obvious that her son's important. Even Lucius, I think his son was important. I think he got himself into a position where. He just made stupid decisions um, But the love is there He did have a, a love from a, from a really good mom who made the Ultimate choice which was picking her son Over You know Doing the thing that would be helpful to her Or being or ambitious um, And I think he is good And I think as we see in that epilogue He grew up and he had a family Of his own He doesn't seem to be doing bad things um, But he was definitely asked and put into a situation Where he didn't have anywhere to go And then he was told He was a bunch of things He was a Malfoy And then he did a lot of posturing Which is where the bullying came from And it's just because he was a kid um, He was a stupid kid That was told a lot of things And got himself in Because of his family got, got himself into a really horrible situation That he didn't want to do um, Which I think is very telling too Alright. This is a question. I actually think this is Gabby's question. Um, Do you think that the outcome um, would have been the same if Voldemort had killed Neville's parents? Um, Assuming that mom would have refused Voldemort to move three times. So if the story was backwards and it's Neville who goes through this, um, do you think the outcome would have been the same? Gabby, what do you think?
2: I asked the question because I really don't know. (laughs) I think it kind of goes back to um, what Kristen was talking about with the nature versus nurture. Um, Neville's not Mm -hmm. a bad person. He's got kindness in him just like Harry does, and he tries Mm -hmm. to do the right thing, and uh, he's a little bit more maybe of a club than Harry is. But um, I I wonder. I I don't think we in the story get to uh, to know – the long bottoms of parents well enough as Mm -hmm. characters to really know if they would have brought him up well and and been good parents, so that's hard to determine. But I honestly don't know. It's it's an interesting question that I've often contemplated, again, going back to that nature versus nurture. Is it possible that there could have been another one? Even Voldemort was unsure himself, and so he chose the one whose birthday was exactly like his uh, on the 31st or Mm -hmm. 30th. So uh, it comes back to chance and luck and, and opportunity, um, I think that many mothers would have denied Voldemort a thousand times um, to, to stop the killing of their child. So does, does it really matter then almost, you know, if, if, if the child is protected by that oldest and deepest magic of love because the mother dies for him or her, mm-hmm. um, does it really matter who it is then? Maybe that's the bigger question.
0: What do you think, Kristen?
2: I think I agree
1: a lot with what Debbie just said. Um, And it all just depends on the type of parents that Neville's parents were. They seem like, from everything you hear, that they were great parents. Um, I think the point where the story could have differed, though, is the, the story played out the way it did in the original story because Harry was very selfless when it came to like, I'm going to do this. And there's a pretty good chance. I'm going to die trying, but I'm going to do it because what else am I going to do? Like let them die. And I think Neville's the same type of person, but I think it took him longer to get there. Like
2: he's a more
1: meek version of Harry. He is not as traditionally brave as you would consider Harry. I wouldn't even say Harry was brave at times. Sometimes I just think he was like, I have no choice but to do this because what am I yeah. supposed to do? Let everyone die? Um, you know? But, but I, I think it would have taken Neville longer to get to the point Harry got to, so the story would have been much more drawn out, which could have been yeah. more death, more chaos, et cetera.
0: It could have definitely been. I mean, there's no way to know, obviously. But I also feel right. like if Neville, because part of Neville's story, the reason why he has so much self-doubt and so much stuff to overcome to finally become that person um, that chops Nagini and helps along the conclusion of the story is the fact that he was raised by his grandmother who constantly compared him to parents that can no longer speak for themselves, you know what I mean, or can no longer do the things that they were doing. And so devil kind of had a a bit of a stunted growth because of that so if he was able so if you keep if that is the case with that with him being whispered as the the chosen one and all the things that harry got and actually be able to experience that because harry didn't he was uh, with the Dursleys right and then he just found out about all the stuff when he turned 11 so to grow up with those whisperings how would that affect his personality how would that affect his uh reaction to things that's hard to tell um I do like that I will
1: say I think the fact that Neville grew up knowing like we don't save Voldemort he's scary he's dangerous he's Mm -hmm. the thing fear the most well Harry came in and was like why can't I say his name like what do you mean he was bad so he killed some people like that happens every day in the real world but like, it yeah. wasn't I I think Voldemort wasn't as scary of a thought from the get go for Harry because he didn't yeah. have to live and hear about it constantly yeah, that's point. and I think yeah. Um. I think the next
0: question kind of is kind of goes along with this question. Um, so I'm gonna try to weave it in because also there's there's Harry's temperament and how he chose to be a, how he chose to be a hero. He definitely has a, a savior's complex. but he also has a lot of like resentment to it too. There's like that torn going back and forth between needing to save people and also hating the fact that he's the one, who has all this pressure on his shoulder. Um, and so the question is, Harry is clearly on a hero's journey, but is, the, is he the kind of hero we all want to be? Is he a role model or is he an anti-hero? And I think, Gabby, this is, this is the second part of your question. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if these are two questions because they're kind of of the same thought um, or did you picture them as two, que- two different questions and kind of what you think about it, what we were thinking with this question?
2: Bothers me at certain times, and I think maybe it's because he's a teenager. Yeah. He starts acting like a teenager, but <laughs> he in bothers book me too. five, he's all moody, he's all like depressive, and he's all like in his own brain, and it gets really frustrating. And he, I don't like the way sometimes that he talks to his friends. You can see his Agreed. father coming out. You know, a bit of a bully sometimes, and, and I get it that he's under a lot of pressure, and that's why I think a lot of people cut him flat you know, and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I you know I'm not an orphan. I can't imagine what that would be like, right? So th- he's had to overcome quite a bit. But I don't know if like I would necessarily want to be friends with him growing up. If if we were the same age and we were the same year, I don't know if I'd want to be like hanging out with him all the time. It'd be great to have the chosen one to hang out with and be besties with, because then maybe he would save my life all the time. But also he's not very pleasant to be around sometimes, and. I don't know if that makes him an anti-hero, but I think that definitely at times um, it makes him not quite so heroic as he is remembered by. I think a lot of the the fandom.
0: Agreed. I think um, when it comes to Harry, I also get feelings of annoyance um, because I think I don't. I think his savior complex is is not selflessness. Um, I think he does have a sense of like, I need to do this. Um, but he does go back and forth and he definitely has a mean streak and he takes his feelings out on people and he can be as woe with me and forget that other people have suffered and, and that other people have made certain sacrifices to help him, um, along the way, um, as well. And so part of the reason why I thought this was connected with the other one is because we're forgetting that Neville played a huge part in the conclusion of that story. Harry may not have been successful if Neville did not pick up that sword and cut off McKeeney's head. So if we picture the story as all things continued every step of the way the same, but it's Harry that is in Neville's spot. Would Harry have done it, or would he have chosen to play Quidditch and not be part of that story, and maybe not have picked up that sword and cut off Nagini's head?
2: Would he have joined Double Door's army? I don't know. I mean, he, he would have been raised by his dad, like, is not necessarily a great character either, you know. There's a lot of ego with his dad, so would he have been more self I think he would have been. I think his mother would have balanced it out, but... I mm-hmm. also just don't get how Lily
0: falls in love with James, either. No, James so definitely has an arrogant bully, for sure. What do you think, Kristen?
1: Um, one, I think Harry's dad was just pretty, and that's why she fell in love with him. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little hey, bit that of That works, right? Right. I mean, he, he looked pretty. What do you want from her? Um, <laughs> no, I think... I think there's like I, I agree with the like both of you in a sense. But I think I do think he has a bit of a savior's complex in the sense that he feels like it's his job to save but everyone. Did that Like he but that's what, that come from the loss of his parents. No, I think that came from Dumbledore telling him it this is on you. Like pushing him towards that all the time. Because, I mean, Dumbledore never just said, like, oh, hey, P.S., you have to save the world. You have to save us all. Um, but I do think, like, Dumbledore pushing him, like, oh, like, always... I feel like that was that was the moral of the whole story, is Dumbledore pushing Harry until he realized that, crap, I have to die to fix this. <laughs> like, that's, that's it. I, I have no choice. <laughs> so I think... He he got that obligation because that's what he was told. Like he was thrust into this world, and then everyone was like, "Oh, you're the chosen one. You're the one that has to fix it." So what are you supposed to do? Be, be like, "Just kidding, everyone. I'm going to go back to non-magical world over here." No, like you pick it up and you go with it. I do think Harry is incredibly arrogant at times because he takes that and like she said, like the way he talks to his friends sometimes, sometimes he's like, you, like he has this arrogance about him. Like, you can't do this. I have to do this because I'm Harry Potter. And mm-hmm. it is like, it's a, it, it's a very annoying characteristic where you're like, I get it. You're mm-hmm. the chosen one. You're going to save us all. Wonderful. That doesn't yeah. mean I can't help you. Um, so he was very pushy up in that sense. And I do think that, I, I don't think he would have necessarily done the things Neville did if the roles were reversed and Neville was in, in his spot but the same can be said for Neville like, I don't think the story would be the same if Neville was Harry and Harry was Neville and those two roles <laughs> were reversed um, I think we would have had a much longer war with Voldemort um, yeah, if Neville maybe. Was, I think it would have taken him longer and I don't necessarily think Harry would have jumped on board to help
0: No, I don't. I I, Because he wasn't obligated.
2: You know, in in Harry's defense, too, to play play devil's advocate, he at least still had a choice. He could have still been, you know, if he were the, him as the chosen one, he still could have gone and played Quidditch. He still could have gone to support it. He still could have said it wasn't his problem. Um, Right. That would have been much more likely, though, if, if. His parents were alive, though. I think he would have felt yeah,
0: I, I, more secure.
2: Like he had a lot more to lose. Not having anybody in his family except for the jerseys who he can't mm-hmm. stand. That really gives him nothing to lose. You know, so I yeah, could and, have I, died and it I doesn't really matter because I got nothing to lose. And I
0: and I do it's wonder. It's weird the whole, I do wonder. I do wonder if if Harry's savior is just a, a personality trait, or if it is tied to losing his parents, like Batman. Um, losing his parents is a huge motivator for doing the things that he, he did and why he chose to make some of the decisions he made I do think that does play in the back of his mind either not having anything to lose or just being like this happened to my parents and feeling kind of like that personal investment in, in righting some of those wrongs um, could also be part of the story for why Harry made those choices and that would make a lot of sense
1: I think also what we were saying real quick about where you guys said, um, like, he did make the choice to do it, and he didn't have all that much to lose until he got there, Mm -hmm. and he had his friends, and those friends were the ones that were at risk. Mm -hmm. But I think that ties in. Dumbledore brought him in, showed him, like, oh, you're not this poor kid. You have all this money in this vault, and you have... This great school, and we're gonna take care of you, and there's family, and you have friends, and everything's wonderful. It was part of that. It sound like <laughs> No, but it was like part of the manipulation. Like they brought him in, they showed him what this life he could have, and then they're like, oh, yes, you have to save it, or it all yeah. goes away.
0: Oh, for sure. All right, so I'm um, gonna shift the conversation towards um, the films. Um, so. One of the listener questions um, about the film so before we get into the kind of the more general discussion, is, who do you think was the strongest actor or actress of the kid actors?
1: Hermione, Emma, yeah. Emma, yeah.
0: Emma, Stone, Emma Stone, Emma Watson. Just kidding. <laughs> Emma Stone. That's
1: a She's <laughs> 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 um, Not in Harry Potter. <laughs> I I think this is hard
0: to do because I think I, I can think of really screamish acting for all three of them because they were learning their craft as they were as millions and millions and billions and people are watching them. And I think one of these characters were written stronger than others. Um, I don't think any of them are bad actors. I think that they all learn things. Like, Emma Watson had this thing where she would overly use her eyebrows to act. Like, I think it was Prisoner of Azkaban, where, like, every syllable, her eyebrows moved up and down. Um, And then, like, Rupert, I think probably his, the one that I was like, eh, about was probably... Moments of Chamber of Secrets and moments of Half Blood Prince, and then Dan also had like I think, I think all of them are good actors, and they were learning how to be actors um, as they were going through these films. So I don't, I don't Gun really have. The best.
1: You can't. You have to. You have to pick.
0: I can't. Your pick. Head
1: I who was the best? Very,
0: very different. I think that they were all very different.
1: Cop out. Gabby, what's yours? I would say no, it but like it. it's un- I think- I, uh, no, you're it, cut off, time? Megan. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Go ahead. No, Gabby, continue. <laughs> no, okay, um, I no, think- I was
2: just making I think- fun. I think Emma does a good job. I think um, having seen some of Daniel Radcliffe's stuff. Um, recently, I think he's definitely improved, and I think he's definitely getting better, too. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Rupert's stuff, and I haven't seen a lot of the other ones now that I think about it. Um, but I think that um, it's easier to say Emma Watson, too, because she's also done quite a bit more stuff that more people would have seen afterwards, as well.
0: Yeah, and that's what I mean, and they're all very different. So like for, like for, for instance, I have seen pretty much everything Rupert Grant has done. Um, He's a really good comedic actor. He's very dramatic. I honestly think he, Ron was not written well enough. I don't think we ever got to see the best of Rupert Grint in the Harry Potter films. And he also agrees, which is why he started to do dramatic indie films in Britain um, as he was shooting Harry Potter. And even in interviews, he said, I just didn't feel like I was challenged enough um, on the Harry Potter films. And I agree 100%. And that's what I mean by it, by it being hard to say. I also think Daniel Radcliffe has grown. I think Emma Watson has grown as well. I think she's better at certain roles than others. Um, Alfie Enoch is also super, super good in some of the things that the person who plays um, um, Jenny's boyfriend, Dean Thomas, um, he's been in a lot of things. He's super good. Yeah, he is good. Um, um, So he's been branching out. Um, Sean Biggerstaff who plays um, the Scottish captain the one who is insane and like overly competitive about Quidditch, His, the name is Oliver Wood um, he's also been a lot of indie British films and I think he's super talented and I wish he would be given more things so the reason why I, I have a hard time picking is because when it comes to the Harry Potter films we only saw Dean Thomas in like two second snippets and in the movies, Emma Watson got the most to, to use. And so same with Daniel Radcliffe. The rest of them either turned into tropes or turned into one-dimensional characters or just was not around on screen to be able to prove their chops and then didn't have the name recogni- recognition to get much following. So that's why I think it's, un- like it's, it's, it's unfair to say because, yes, in the Harry Potter films, Emma Watson probably had the more solid performer performances. Does I that make sense?
2: Grant though had the best timing out of all of them though. Agreed. Dramatic and comedic he, he did. had the best timing out of all of them.
0: Which is why he's doing British black comedies. Like that's that's his bread and butter. Like he's in, you know, like um snatch the TV show The Sick. He does a lot of like those kinds of things. And if you want to see him be Dramatic and kind of sexy. Cherry bomb. He filmed that around Half Blood Prince. That he does really good in that. It's a really good indie Northern Irish um, film, and he does. A, he probably does one of the best Belfast accents I've heard from a non-Belfast um, kind of person. So that's kind of my thing. Is I wish that I wish some of the the kid actors were able to shine a little bit more. That, that's basically the answer to that question. Does that make sense? Does my point make sense?
2: for Jenny, yeah, I forget her name right now, but um, it's on the tip of my tongue. But I feel worse for her because like she started off with like this great mm-hmm. role, very very young, younger than the other ones, right? And then like yes. it went like nowhere. It went nowhere yes. in that entire eight film series. She got nothing, yes. and I feel like she must have been so excited at like five or whatever she was and she got it, and then, and then it turned into no way. A <laughs> Agreed.
0: Yeah. All
2: right. Um.
0: So. So, when I watched the film, because I started, I watched book, I mean, movie one and movie two without, have, without reading the books. Um, by the time I saw Prisoner of Azkaban, I have read all the books that were at least released up to that point. Um, and I was heavily into the Harry Potter fandom. So, when I look at the movies, I have to look at it from two points a film, just someone enjoying a film, and then a Harry Potter fan. And usually the first time I watch the movie, it's the Harry Potter fan, you know, that comes out and goes, this is all wrong, and I'm really angry. And then I watch it again, and then I can enjoy it as just like a a film, just a piece of entertainment that happens to be about a world I love. So I have two questions of kind of the same lines. What is your favorite film as the lover of the books? And what is your favorite film as just... A standalone, really good, well-made, well-crafted film. Gabby, I'll start with you.
2: Um, Prisoner of Azkaban for both. Thank you. That's all.
0: Uh, you need to explain yourself. <laughs>
2: um, I, I liked. Um, I liked Prisoner watching it as a film. I can go on and on about why. I think it's just cinematically the best. Um, I think the direction is um, superior to all the other ones. I think the things that are done with camera are really important. That people really miss—they don't see it unless you've got a careful eye for cinema. I also mm-hmm. did like the book as well, so that's the one that I enjoy the most. I, I like the Hippogriff. Okay, so, to be honest, that's—I dig it. You know, um, I—I liked—I um, like that it's a complete story all on its own. I really enjoyed that. So when watching it as a fan, I get all excited about like the hippogriff and like the time turner and these kind of fun things that I enjoy as part of a of the Harry Potter fandom. But then I also really, it's a movie that I would want to go back and watch again to go and see something new that I hadn't seen before.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Kristen? Um, I think the, my favorite film just just to watch is Deathly Hollows because I just like how they did it. Um, and when I say this, now, I I I can't really pick between the two because I really think they're just one big story right there. Um, I, I and, count but it as, I just as really parts of one story. Right. So I just, I just really liked, like the graphics and the intensity. And I just think they did a really good job of making that huge book with so many details into a movie. Um, so just as a movie in general, it was just, I feel like you've got the whole story, which is sometimes hard when it comes from a book. Um, my yeah. favorite film, um, book, like my favorite film from the book was probably the first one, not because it had the greatest graphics or anything, but because it was kinda like the first moment that mm-hmm. these pages turned into something more visual. Like all the things we imagined when reading it were now a thing we could actually see. And even though it wasn't the most, you know, high tech or whatever, it was such a well made movie and it hit all the main parts. They did a really good job. These books are huge, and to be able to fit them into two and two to two and a half hour movies, I mean, they nailed. They pretty much nailed it on the head as best as they could, even though mm-hmm. obviously little things were left out. Um, but I don't know. I just I really like that the original first one just because it was the first one that we got to see. Yeah, and put a face um, to all those things that we already had. Mine is complicated, <laughs> um, isn't it always? Yeah,
0: I'm a complicated person.
1: Uh, yeah, I'll start with the
0: film because I have less feelings about the film. Um,
1: no, you're a deep thinker. Just, you're not complicated. You're a deep
0: thinker. That's why. This is this is where my feelings cloud my thinking, Kristen. Uh, <laughs> so for the film, for the film, just like loving it as a film, I would say Prisoner of Azkaban because I think it is. A well fast-paced movie. I think every single scene was essential. Um, I think that the way that it was edited and shot was beautiful. Um, so the best cinematography was in that film for sure. Um, I, I it was just like it was a high speed because a lot of the Harry Potter films can have moment moments like moments of just over explanation or which I like as a book person, but as a film like alone, um, it can seem like slow. Um so Prisoner of basketball is probably my favorite film wise. Um my favorite book wise would probably have to be probably Deathly Hollows as well cuz I think they did a really good job and they yes they had to create some scenes to make up for some of the things that they didn't do um in the earlier movies because they started without knowing the ending. Um I I thought it just it just the parts that I wanted to be in there were there. And I thought they were handled pretty well, minus, I think, maybe a couple of scenes that I thought were unnecessary. Um, But my favorite film is also my least favorite film as a book person, um, which is Prisoner of Azkaban, um, which I will explain in a moment with the next question, which is what is the biggest injustice of the films? So what is the one thing that makes you angry about the films that you're like this was a missed opportunity or this was a mistake or this is the thing that makes your book heart weep for decades? (laughs) I'm being very dramatic right now. (laughs) Kristen, what
1: do you think? Um, I think the thing, I just had a conversation with somebody about the books and movies and like you know oh which one do you like better I'm like well 99% of the time if a movie came from a book I like the book better it's just I'm a book person I like books better and I think the book has more details and that is my biggest injustice is I don't think Neville's story was given the justice it deserved because they kind of like they just skirt by it So, like, my, one of my best friends is a guy, and he had never seen the movies up until, like, this previous year, and I made him over, like, over weeks, we would watch all the movies, and we got to the end, and I was like, yeah, Neville's awesome, and he's like, I don't really understand Neville, like, who is he, and I'm like, yeah, but, like, I feel like that's, and you get to the end, and you're like, I know Neville, but you don't know Neville, you don't know why he does the things he does, or where he comes from, yeah. you never hear a lot of his story, and I would—that pisses me off because Neville's story is like one of the highlights of the books.
0: I agree. Okay. I, I you don't get to see his parents and the the back. You don't get to really feel do we,
1: do
0: why Neville, Neville is the way he
1: grandmother.
0: Oh, he just gets laughed yeah, at like, until he really, turns bad. You get
1: <laughs> Neville, and they yeah, they pick on him. <laughs> And you get, like, a glimpse, like, of his parents in the like, mm-hmm. and that's the extent of it. Yeah.
0: But, it, and and it does explain, like, knowing that backstory makes the laughing at him feel sadder. So, like, just the movie fans are just like, ah, and I'm like, you, ah, like, you meanies, you don't know. <laughs> You don't
2: know what I know.
0: No, but I yeah, agree. I, that, I think.
2: Hashtag you don't know Neville. Let's get that trending.
0: You don't know Neville, and and part of that, that's and this is to. why I, this is tied to a question that we'll explore later on, which is, when you make the movies without knowing the end, you then look at it from hindsight. Man, we should have put that in. And I feel like with Neville being such an essential mirror with Harry, um, uh, for the whole series. I, I think it would have been cool to see that. Um, Gabby, what do you think? What is think... the biggest justice? Oh, yeah. You have one more thing?
1: No, I just wanted to say what you just said. Like, you don't know the end. You can't tell me that J.K. Rowling didn't, like, consult. And, like, mm-hmm. there, there should have been yeah. a point where she was... She, she should have put her foot down and been like, uh, you might want to put a little bit more about Neville and why he is the way he is yeah. and yeah. who he, he is and where you he came have
2: from. Put, uh, she should have put down her foot on a lot of things.
0: Movie agree. Exactly. She should have put her foot down for a lot of things, and I think. Anyway, I'll I'll get to it when I talk about my injustice. Um, Gabby, what do you think?
2: Um, I agree about Neville. Uh, one of my favorite characters. Um, I'm also very curious about the disappearance of Jeannie Weasley. Where did she go? I'm I'm still oh, trying to yeah. find her in somewhere in the movies. Um. Uh, hopefully she's out there she's okay um
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then Dobby. Hashtag, hashtag I mean, it, find it, Jenny. oh my god steve close oh my god I'm about, to, I'm about to get so angry so steve close telling people like in the extras like oh well i didn't want to include him in because uh, i didn't like how he looked and i was like dude that's not your job your job is to write don't worry about how it looks yeah. just write the story and he purposely excluded dobby in key moments yeah. which would have made a whole lot of sense we totally lost mm-hmm. view okay Mm-hmm. We don't get that other dimension of of the injustices within the magical world. We don't ain't get anything about creature. I'm, I'm about to get upset. I need to stop. I'm am getting my blood pressure is going up. We <laughs> that's have okay. that's okay, to okay sister. I'll finish
0: I'll finish this fight for you.
2: Okay, thank you, thank you. I need I need to have a drink of water. Thank you.
0: Um, I agree with Gabby. <laughs> I think the biggest injustice of the movies is Steve Cloves' existence.
2: Thank you. I think.
0: It is the, it is the, I, like, I get with books and movies, things need to change, scenes need to change, but characters don't, and with him, he plays his favorite, and it's very clear what his bias is, and sadly, his bias transferred over to J.K. Rowling, because J.K. Rowling is now saying crap that she did not say when I was in the fandom, but because of her friendship with Steve Kloves and because of the movies the way she looks at certain characters have changed. Which bothers me on a fundamental level because if you're the author of the book you need to stand by your book. Otherwise like, Are we
1: talking about are we talking about like how she comes out and be like Dumbledore was gay and she's no, no, black no, no. and is, things like that? No,
0: no 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 no. No. This is like the way that she looks at care like when when I when and it it could be Neville, it can be Ron is probably the number one thing, which I'm about to talk about right now. I think it is an incredible disservice to an amazing character what they did to Ron. And it upsets me. Like, Prisoner of Azkaban, the reason why I said Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite film, but my least favorite as a book, uh, as a book fan, is because it was the movie that Ron died. Book Ron died in Prisoner of Azkaban. In Sorcerer's Stone, it, he semi-died. He had a night moment with the chess game, which is great. But they changed the Devil snare for Hermione to look like the know-it-all and Ron to be the, the whiny person. And I, and I forgave that because they didn't give her the potion scene, which is where she, sh- she was really good at. Um, in the book, it was Ron who had to be like, Hermione, slow your roll, remember this. And then she was able to handle the devil's snare. It was like more of like a team effort. But they got rid of the potion, so they gave Hermione that scene and chose to make Ron whiny. I I forgave that. Chamber of Secrets, for comedic effect, he was screaming like a banshee (laughs) for most of that movie. Um, But I forgave it because Ron had a serious fear of spiders. So he's screaming, but he's there. (laughs) So that's good. President of Azkaban, he gave the standing on his broken leg facing Sirius Black, who was a murderer, to Hermione. While Ron whimpers in the corner like an idiot. And that was the moment that I realized, you know what, as a Ron fan, I need to separate my emotions from these movies because I'm never going to get what I want. And it's true. And when Goblet of Fire happened and then Ron all of a sudden was jealous, you didn't get why. You didn't get to see the good things that Ron did for Harry that led to that jealousy. So you thought, man, he was a prat. Where the heck did this come from? And then Order of the Phoenix, Ron came back. But you want know, to know why? Steve Close didn't write it. Sixth six movie, same thing. Ron becomes a jealous person. But again, you don't get to see those moments that, uh, make, that explain it. And then the seventh book, so, the Lockett scene is powerful. But also you don't get to see it. So Ron just becomes a right, one-dimensional of person. But and also is... Neville got sacrificed. Jenny got sacrificed. Hermione got over super hu- woman, superhuman. human. And if you ask J.K. Rowling now, she will say things like, yeah, if I rewrote it, then maybe Ron wouldn't end up with Hermione. Yeah, maybe Ron's not the right fit. But when you give an interview from 1999, okay. she's talking about how Ron and Hermione was always like supposed to be um, that Harry and Hermione would have drove each other crazy um, and that and that, if you're stupid, to actually think that that would happen. So something changed. I have a question. And, the, and I think...
1: I have a yes. question. It's about Ron. So you guys are both, okay. both both very passionate, and I agree. So if you look at book Ron and movie Ron, and then think about how now they're saying, "Big it's <laughs> rolling even like, oh, I don't think Hermione would have ended up with Ron, because she was so smart... And he was so not in the yes. book, in my opinion, book Ron was not stupid, was not a big baby. He was no. smart. He was just kind of like klutzy. But in the movie, he's maybe he's yes. kind he to be a giant, weak <laughs> yes. baby who's kind of stupid.
0: Yes. And, and if you go I by the movies exactly alone, then I can Ron. understand. Yes. But when you're the author of the book. You should stand by right. your book, Ron, and not remember I the agree. movie, Ron.
1: Or you should have told people, hey, that's, where some that's people, I think that's where some people I, get it. The ones who haven't read the I, book I, and watch movies, yes. they're like, Ron's a big baby. I'm like, read the book. Ron is not a big baby. It's just how they portray him in the movie.
0: And you watch the movies more than you read. So that we have a generation of people who do not understand Ron and where he's coming from. And that bothers me to a, in a tremendous degree. But it also, it bothers me what would happen with Ginny. It bothers me about Neville. It bothers me that the imperfections of Hermione weren't shown, because I honestly, the imperfections of Hermione is actually what makes her, I think, likable <laughs> and relatable. Right.
2: But uh, Well, it's also, so, like I mean, in, in Goblet of Fire, there's uh, there's no reason why she becomes, like, the swan. You know, like, she 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 just has a diff- she has a dress on suddenly you know you don't get to see her transformation into something as like a young woman at all because she was always quote pretty from beginning to end you know
0: and she got more her and more blonde and all this. that yeah and I think
2: that, yeah
0: so actually, and I think Kristen, I
2: don't I don't know if, I don't know if Kristen knows but I watched the movies first and then I went to go and read the book because I was I only started like a couple years ago whatever and I was shocked after watching Prisoner and then going and reading it, I was shocked to find that it was Ron that had stood on the broken leg and so on and so forth. And that made me frustrated too because I didn't understand until having gone through and read all of it, I didn't understand really how bad it really was and how much was really missing from the movies. And I could see then part of what Megan had been talking about with me, which is the fact that there's such a discrepancy sometimes between what is real in the movies and what is real in the books, that if you don't read the book, you're really not going to understand all the different intricacies of what goes into the final result. And ultimately that's and the injustice of that. People don't even get to know really how things end up the way that they did, why they did. Yeah, And it,
1: because it's really, it's really sad though that, there's not a valid reason for them to have changed it. Like, it's aside from like maybe they wanted Hermione to look stronger than she was in the book. I don't know. But, like, there is no valid reason to take those point those powerful moments away from Ron, except mm-hmm. to make him look stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. So, I would that people answered this question. Why do you hate Ron so much? <laughs> Um, right. What did he do to you? But like in every I, kind of I, story, I, I mean the same.
2: Go for it, Gabby. I I really agree with Megan that I don't understand uh, J.K.'s rationale. Why why she's flip flopping on her own self? I mean it, it's almost like a lack of integrity. And I don't care if somebody comes at me with that at all. You know because I know she's so revered. But honestly, how how can you do that? How can you say that you were wrong? Uh, when you were writing it initially, you know, how could she be so adamant about things about uh, Dumbledore's sexuality and then about Nagini's origin? And then, uh, then also say, well, I was kind of wrong about, you know, Ron and Hermione. You can't have it both ways, you know? No. And so often stick with but... what they originally said or have more power because it, 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 uh they don't, they, they don't give it, they don't care what the consequence might be if they stick with their original thoughts and their original yeah. um authorship but she doesn't i don't understand what what her thought process i don't, is with that at all i don't either
0: it, it gives more power to the movies in her own book and i think that is something that most authors refuse to do or don't do and they'll say this is different you know what i mean like and they make those distinctions this is different this is an inter- it's using my world and there's going to be some interpretation and i am i'm for this interpretation but my book is separate it's different but she's definitely, and she did become friends with Steve Kloves. Um, so I, I, I do think that, that that it was a gradual thing. But I have tons of, like, when I was running the forums and people were f- constantly fighting back and forth, and honestly, it wasn't a fight until the third movie. Um, and when the third movie came in, it was, instead of just talking about the books, it, it turned into warfare between... Ron and Hermione fans and, and Hermione and Harry fans. And it was ridiculous. And so then J.K. Rowling started to have to do quotes like, no, if you're reading the books, you know it's not Harry and Hermione. And I have tons of quotes like that. And then three years ago, it's like it just went out the window. And it's, it's very upsetting. Um, and it was very upsetting that I think, because out of all the characters, Ron is probably the most relatable. And when you look at any kind of story, like if you look at, Star Wars, there usually is a trio, and those trio represent different things, right? It's usually brawn hearts um, and brains, and I think, in, and how I always interpreted since reading the books in high school is that they, they do bring those things. Harry brings the brawn, Hermione brings the brains, and to me, Ron has always brought the hearts. I mean, when I read Deathly Hallows and Ron ran off, Hermione and Harry were sad, they weren't dancing in a tent. <laughs> like yeah, they were, right. they were sad. It was dark. It was lonely. The language changed. They both didn't feel happiness. Hermione was crying most of the nights. It was like the happiness of the of the entire situation disappeared. When when Ron was in his jealous thing with Goblet of Fire, the same thing happened with Harry. Um, Ron's the one that reminds Hermione to use her head sometimes when she's getting flustered. Because she does she overthinks he sometimes, and so he's
2: the one that brings the light, like I don't get like how people don't get that stuff, like the symbolism is right there in front of them, and they they can't see it.
0: yes, and so but when you watch the movies, it's like Ron uh, Harry and Hermione, and then like the random ginger guy that walks. <laughs> like
1: it's <laughs> you know, and,
0: and it's, that's what's the subsetting, and also Rupert grant can act I mean he can. He, there was no reason; like it, it wasn't like he had to change the script because Rupert couldn't do it, because uh, he could have done it. Right. He wanted to do it. exactly. If you ask Rupert Grant, he's just as upset as I am um, about some of the things that were decided for Ron. So that is well, probably the, the biggest. interest. me
2: actually. I'm more angry at at um, JK because you know when they looked at when she got to look at that Prisoner of Azkaban um, uh, script she got to say, you know, and she got a moment to say, no, it should, this line should go back to Ron." And there's a reason for it. She, she had every opportunity along the way to have creative input and oversight. And she did use it, but she didn't use it in the way that um, fans of the books would uh, would have liked. And, and she betrayed herself ultimately with it.
0: No, I, I agree 100%. I have not been happy with J.K. Rowling. Um, progressively as the years have gone by. When it comes to the the things that she says afterwards like Dumbledore is gay and all those sorts of things. I don't care about that. I do think it is a, like that I understand why some people might say it's a bit of a a cop out like you 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 know like you don't want to write an LGBTQ character but you want to say it is. So like I get those kinds of things. Um but but going back on what you did, I think is, is it just, it's weird. I don't like it. Um, so a couple of things I want to ask since we have a little bit of time, um, is the new Scamander movies, uh, which are written by JK Rowling. Um, I, (laughs) I personally enjoy the stories. I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the world. Um, but Gabby has some thoughts that I think that she should share. So, Gabby, what is your thoughts on this Commander Series?
2: I love the world. I enjoy, I mean, I'm a big animal lover. Um, shout out to my mom, who's a Hufflepuff. She loves it because she loves animals, too. So, like, it really kind of, like, hits the mark when it comes to fans and and the delight of magic, of course. So, I, th- I think it definitely, like, it pushes the right buttons at the right times. But, I'm having a really hard time um, with J.K. Rowling and her decisions with the writing. I think that when you look at The Crimes of Grindelwald, if you're careful and you watch how she's able to move through stories, she is not able to do it because she misses some real amazing opportunity. Because I don't think – she's a writer. I think it's a different thing to adapt a book into um, – a script, and then it's a completely different thing to write an original script. Um, she is struggling to be able to interweave the mini-stories into a, a two-and-a-half-hour film. And you can see that in particular with the storyline, and of course I'm going to forget their names right now, with Cleanie uh, and I forget the baker's name. Um, you can see that in these missed opportunities for them to find each other in Paris. And so what happens is you start off the movie watching these two, uh, struggle with their relationship, and he's under the the love spell, and then she disappears, and then you see her crying on the street, and then you see them at the end. And, like, I, if you're watching just the movie, you're not quite sure what the big deal is. Is she – Queenie is coming across as uh, – I, I, I know why. I know she wants to be married to him and so on, but I don't really see mm-hmm. how cinematically it's making – Smart choices with how she's able to interweave. She could have done some great things, like a quick miss opportunity. They're just they're, she's looking for him, and she, she misses uh, just him by by being off by just one block. She's looking for. I mean, there's such great opportunity to do some great things with the story, but I think there's core writing going on because she has nobody else to check her, to make sure that to edit her basically because she's the quote expert and she is. So there's nobody above her to tell her no. And I think, to be honest, I'm going to give you a hard take. I'm tired of David Yates. I think we need to move on from him. I think we need more variety with the director to get some spice and some interesting things happening in cinema with, with, with the movie-making part of it.
0: Well, what do you think, Kristen, about this Commander series?
1: Um, <clears throat> I'm going to admit I have only seen the first one. That's probably for the best. <laughs> and it's because with like, it wasn't. It was. It was really good, but it, I just like. I. It, it was. I was expecting the magic that you feel when you watch Harry Potter, and I didn't get it.
0: Mm-hmm. And part of it, and I, like I enjoyed is, it, it. Right. Yeah, I think Abby is right. I think I think the script can be tighter. I agree. David Yates changing it up would be good because um, I, I think there's so much potential for it to be super interesting. And I think it's, like, it's like getting... It's, like, going, but it's not getting there. Um, so hopefully, with another year of filming and editing and changing things up, uh, when the third one's out, um, we'll get something that is a little bit more clean when it comes to the, the script and the story. Because, like, I'm all for it. Like, I'm totally bought in. I like Newt Scamander. I in- also enjoy Grindelwald as a as a villain, because I think... You can see where normal people could follow him, like not evil people, but like just good intentioned people who are frustrated by things. So you can see how good people can lead to bad things. Yes. Um, so I, I think I think the story's there. I think characters. I, I enjoyed the characters. The, the elements are there. It just needs to be cleaned up a bit. So I agree.
2: All right. Um and, and let's get too, to if if we get some weird Dumbledore uh, connection and, and and it all I, I swear to God, if there's something insane that happens with with the Nuga guy, I swear I'm gonna make T shirts and I'm gonna protest openly in the streets if it turns out he's part of that <laughs> family. I just I don't think I can handle it. I just I My I, theory I, is I, it's that the it'll, it's the next movie will determine whether or not I watch the rest of them, I might be on open strike.
0: My theory is that it's a lie. <laughs> Um, so let's get to nerdy obsession that we can't get, let go of this week. So Kristen, do you have any nerdy things going on with you this week?
1: Um, nerdy things, nerdy things. Um, no, I'm unnerdy. This is the busiest week of the year for my type of work <laughs> and I have either. no time to be nerdy. I've been reading, I read, I've been reading uh historical fiction for our book club But um, that's as nerdy as I get this week. I went to Disney. Does that count? I was Disney nerd yesterday all day. That
0: is the mecca of nerdiness, or at least one of the meccas of nerdy. Um, Gabby, do you have any nerdy things? To speak well, uh, of the to speak. tie
2: it into the beginning of the show, um, it's all about uh, the end of the Skywalker saga. It's all about Star Wars. My brother just told me about the Clone Wars, how I've been missing out. So as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go immediately and watch as much as I can and binge on that. So I'm in the know. Uh, uh, i go and watch it on Friday. So that's my super-duper nerdy obsession right now.
0: Um, I would have to say yeah. it's the same because Gabby is one of the individuals that I am marathoning with. so That is all in my mind. Yesterday, it was like 9 o'clock to 7 watching episodes 1 through 3 and Rogue One. (laughs) And then I watched Half of a New Hope. Yeah. And then I watched Half of a New Hope, which I'm going to finish as soon as we get off here. And then on Thursday, we're finishing the rest. And then Friday, we're seeing the new movie. So, it's Star Wars all week. Star Wars all week.
1: Um, It is.
0: And I'm excited and also fearful of what happens (laughs)
2: next.
0: We'll see. (laughs) We'll see. Um, So we have some rewards um, who I will contact individually to find out details so I can send the prizes to. Um, So anyone who submitted questions or comments or opinions were automatically put into a draw um, for a harry potter prize Um, that prize will be coming to delia n dev k jen r and amanda l Um, so i'll contact you guys um, to figure out how to get those things to you Um, congratulations all of your questions were amazing Um, and i really do appreciate the the participation making the show um, interesting and also getting to the questions that you guys want to talk about Um, Kristen and I also have some news. We have a new segment that we're going to be starting in January. Um, Kristen, do you want to explain?
1: Uh, Sure. Um, So we here at Talk Nerdy are nerds of all things, not just books, movies, TV, and what am I missing? Music. Um, We also are very... I know. I couldn't. It, like, stopped. I was like, wait um because they said it out of order it's books and tv movies and music i would have gotten it sorry um but yes. so we are also very into politics so we are going to have a friend of ours her name is julia i call her pixie i'm not sure what she's going to ask you all to call her you can call her whatever you want um but julia myself and megan will be hosting a political segment And we will cover all things from global politics to local politics, um, the election, um, the impeachment hearings, everything. We We will also we will also have a special segment called "How to Stay
0: Sane in an Insane World."
1: Yes, and um, I I am full. um, I I I like to be open and honest here, and I will say it is a more left-leaning podcast. But (laughs) Megan here is our saving grace and she is the middleman, and she is very open to both sides. And we are all open, but we're, (laughs) some of us lean farther than the other. I
0: I am, I am open to, I am open to playing devil's advocate and and showcasing the other side. I will say that I am definitely not a devil's advocate to seeing insanity. So I will put that out there. I will not defend insanity,
1: but I so will So if explain. you are super <laughs> hardcore right, might not be the show for you, or it might be the exact show for you because you want to constantly yell at us and t- tweet us your angry opinions. Yes. We're happy to hear them. We like all of Dialogue opinions. Dialogue is we always We don't agree good. with you. Yeah. Except for Christian. <laughs> Except for me, because I have very strong opinions, which you will all hear about, I'm sure, when you tune in for our first show, which as of right now is tentatively scheduled for January the 8th at 9 p.m. Right. All right. So Eastern with time. that, we want, we want feedback. Of course, discussion
0: topics, questions, comments, always talk to us on Twitter at TalkNerdy underscore radio. Um, if you want to listen, uh, look at my review, which will be up in a few days, um, about Stormzy's new album and other reviews of books and other things, Um, Follow nerdprobs.com. Join our book club on Facebook called Just One More Chapter. Um, They're getting ready to uh, figure out what's going on in January soon, right? Am I wrong or am I right? Um, You are right. We will be back. I love when I'm right. Um, We will be back on Monday after the new year, uh, which is Monday, January 6th. Um, And we will be doing our decade uh, in review show. And I will be posting lots of things on our Twitter account. Um, to get your opinions about the decade's best and maybe also worst. I feel like it's always good to do worse. It's fun to to hate on things sometimes. So look forward to that. Have a wonderful holiday. Um, Gabby, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, And Kristen, I will see you in January. All right. Have a great holiday season. Bye, everyone. Bye.